Good evening, church. Good evening. And my name is Amir Burton, not Amir Arnold. Okay. We appreciate it. Let's get a worship team another round of applause there. A clapping it They always do a great job. And I hope you guys are Sunday morning is, is going okay so far. Y'all, y'all doing all right? Y'all doing good? That's good, man. It's a, today is no secret that it is Jewel and myself. It's our last Sunday service here as members here at the Long Beach Church of Christ. And it's a very bittersweet thing. You know, Jewel and I, we, very, we, we love this ministry very much and has a special place in our hearts. As you guys, and most of you guys know, we both became, you know, disciples and Christians here um, in this church. Uh, you know, there is no ministry like the GLB ministry, you know, and that's on planet Earth. OK, you guys are definitely one of a kind here. Right. And, and Jewel and I were definitely grateful for the opportunity and that this church has given us just to lead and to, to intern here. And we appreciate Greg and Don for, you know, believing in us and trusting in us. Same with Brian and Karen Plymel. And uh, today I've been asked to preach. And when I was thinking about the lesson and thinking about who was going to be here today, I was like, OK, the Marys, they're going to be on their retreat. Okay, that means Ruben's not going to be here. It's my last day in Long Beach, so I can say whatever I want. You know, but I saw Greg here. I saw Brian and Karen come in. Don came in. The Steinkeys is here. So I got to be a little politically correct this morning. All right. So in all seriousness, uh, the title of today's lesson is called The Weight I Carry. Okay, The Weight I Carry. And today we're going to be exploring things that hold us back and stop us from making the most of our Christian lives. Okay, and let's go over to 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 16. 1 Samuel chapter 16. Make a pit stop here to begin the lesson. Let me get a right on, right on once you guys are there so I know that we can begin reading. We don't have the projector today. So I hope you guys have your Bibles. You know, if you do, I'll hear the pages turning. If you're using your electronic, I wish I can hear you guys tapping on that screen, but I cannot do that. So 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 7, it says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, it's an excerpt of a, a conversation God is having with Samuel about choosing who's going to be the next king. Right? And God is saying, look, ultimately, I look at the heart. That's what I'm looking I'm not looking at the brawn or the muscles or anything like that. The talent. I'm looking at the heart. And that's what God is concerned about. So my question for you this morning is, how is your heart? How is your heart? And I'm not talking about that physical, you know, blood pumping heart. I'm talking about that cortisone. Okay? I'm talking about that thing that got broke in the sixth grade when that girl didn't hold your hand in the lunch line. Okay? Or that thing that was broke. When she passed the note back to you and it was circled no with a sad face on it. Okay, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that thing in me that fills with joy and encouragement when I think of Jewel. You know, it, I'm talking about, and to be fair, I'm talking about that thing when it gets fired up when things aren't going your way. Okay, I'm talking about that mysterious, wonderful, confusing at times part of you that enables you to love, laugh, and to experience life. The big question is, how is your heart? I feel like we don't ask this question as much as we should. You know, we always, we're concerned about our career, our finances, families, but what about our hearts? You know, let's go to Matthew chapter 15. 
Matthew chapter 15, we're going to be in verse 18. I think we need to be more mindful of this because Jesus tells us what our hearts are capable of. In Matthew chapter 15, verse 18. Matthew 15, verse 18, it says, But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, and slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Let's go to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. Read another scripture here. Luke chapter 6, verse 45. It says, A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. And this is Jesus here. He's saying, look, this is what our hearts are capable of. Right in Luke chapter 6, he's saying, look, if your public performance becomes too far removed from your heart, you're in trouble. Because the things that are in your heart are eventually going to make their way to the surface. Okay, and this is going to affect your relationships, your actions, which is hurting your character and your spiritual well-being. I think it's important for us to monitor the condition of our heart, thinking, okay, what, what Jesus is saying in Matthew. Okay, our hearts can be full of so much evil. In Proverbs 4.23, a lot of us are familiar with that scripture. You don't have to turn there, but it says, above all else, guard what? Your heart. Guard your heart. Above everything else. That's above, again, your family, your finances, your education, your, your future. He says, guard your heart. Why? Because your heart is crucial to your existence. It's crucial. This is spiritually just as much as it is physically. And although the heart is one of the strongest muscles in your body, it can only take so much, church. The heart can only take so much. And in order for our hearts to function properly, we must be mindful of the weight we put on it. In order to protect our hearts, we have to lose the things that can weigh it down. Okay, and today that's what we're going to look at. We're going to look at two things that weigh our hearts down. And this is not it. If you're thinking, oh, Amir's just going to share these two things, and all I got to do is focus on these two things, my heart will be good. No, uh, but these are two things that I feel God has put on my heart to share with you. And this is unforgiveness and worry. Unforgiveness and worry. Number one, the weight of unforgiveness. And that's my first point there. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. I'll wait for you guys to get there. Matthew chapter 6, verse 14. It says, For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But... If you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21. Chapter 18, verse 21, it says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins up against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times but 77 times. And a lot of us were familiar with these scriptures, and Jesus, he's talking about this idea of forgiveness. And I was reading a newspaper 
um, a couple of days ago, and I came across some pieces of, of news that I want to share with you guys. I'm here a couple here. The first one, an Iranian woman named Sam Alim had told the Associated Press that revenge had been her only thought after her teenage son was murdered. But in a dramatic change at the murderer's execution, literally moments before the killer was to be executed, Aline made a last-minute decision to forgive and pardon the man, setting him free. She is now considered a hero. During an evening hangout, this is another piece of news, bride-to-be Rochelle Friedman got jokingly pushed into a shallow end of a pool where her head hit the bottom. She cracked her neck and has not been able to feel anything below her neck since. Despite the life-changing injury, Friedman went on with her marriage and has said that she never harbored any resentment toward her friend about the accident, only forgiveness. Now, according to ABC News, Mary Hedges was at a mall with her son when two boys standing on the fourth floor of a parking structure pushed a grocery cart over the railing. The cart fell on her head, causing a severe brain injury as well as blindness in one eye and the amputation of her right foot. Even though she suffered through a coma and spent weeks fighting for her life, Hedges forgave the boys. I wish them well. I really do, she told ABC News. Lastly, Mary Johnson lost her son in 1993 after a then-teenage O'Shea Israel got into a fight with him at a party and shot him. With so much unanswered, Johnson went to visit O'Shea in jail. After their first contact, she was quoted saying, I began to feel this movement in my feet. Johnson said, it moved up my legs and it just moved up my body. When I felt it leave me, I instantly knew that all the anger and hatred and animosity I had in my heart for you for these past 12 years was over. I had totally forgiven you. The two now live as neighbors in the same duplex, and Johnson has even referred to Israel as son in interviews. I admire her for being so brave enough to offer forgiveness and for being able to take that step, Israel told us, the, the, the young man that killed her son. It motivates me to make sure that I stay on the right path. Right? And now in each of these stories, doesn't the offended have a right to feel angry and, and hatred and animosity and resentment? Yeah, right, because they've been hurt, they were mistreated, they were wronged, and did they deserve what happened? You know, probably not. You know, but each of them forgave. You know, and there's some of us in here this morning that have, you know, similar stories. You know, where we've been hurt, we've been wronged, we've been mistreated, but we're holding on to a stubborn heart of unforgiveness. You know, and to you I say, hey, you got to forgive. And I'm saying that, you're like, Amir, you don't know what they did to me. You know, you're right. I don't know. You know, but the Bible calls us to forgive. You know, but forgiving can be hard at times, can it? It it, it could be a struggle at times to forgive. I mean, when we're hurt, the first thing we we like to do is to find what's going to ease us. You know, and a lot of times we, we leave forgiveness to be last. You know, we think anger is going to ease that pain and hatred and animosity and resentment and all these things we think are going to relieve this pain because forgiveness is just hard to do. It's a challenge, right? And there's a couple things that hold us back from forgiving. The first thing is we think that forgiveness protects us. We think forgiveness protects our hearts. You know, why would I forgive him? I mean, if I do that, he's going to see me as, as weak. 
You know, I don't want him to see me as a passive person. I'm not going to drop this. He needs to come and apologize to me or she needs to apologize to me. I'm not going to forgive that person. Now I need to protect my heart and forgiving will open my heart up more. I gave him or her all of my heart. And he or she threw it back. And I'm not going to forgive that person. You know, the thing about unforgiveness is it doesn't protect your heart. It poisons it. It poisons your heart with bitterness, hate, again, anger and resentment. And again, don't let your stubbornness destroy your heart. I think the second thing that holds us back from not forgiving people is we wait for an apology. We wait for that person to apologize. I mean, the other day, I got into it with a close friend of mine, and to protect this person's identity, I'm going to use the name Blair. Okay, Blair is gender neutral. So you guys can't be, is it a boy or girl? Oh, it was a girl. Yeah, Blair, okay? Me and Blair got into it, and I was mad at Blair, okay? And Blair came up to me. Blair was like, hey, we need to figure this thing out. We need to get resolved here. And I was like, all right, let's get resolved. And I remember going into the conversation expecting Blair to apologize to me. You know, I wanted to hear those words, hey, I'm sorry. And the end of the conversation came, and Blair never mentioned those words. And I remember I felt like I couldn't move on in my relationship with Blair because I didn't hear those things. You know, and a lot of us today, you know, are waiting for an apology. We may find ourselves waiting for someone to come up to us and initiate that conversation. You know, but the reality of that is you're in a state of bondage. You know, you're a slave to a master of unforgiveness, if you're waiting for that person to come set you free with an apology. You know, waiting, I heard this one time, waiting for someone to apologize is like having your thermostat in someone else's home. You know, what does that mean? I mean, what that means is you're letting someone control your atmosphere. You're letting someone control your temperature. You're letting someone control your feelings. When you see that person, you're a different person because you can't forgive that person. Church, we, we need, it's your life. Take control of your life. Don't let someone be a master... To, for your emotions, you know, find it in your heart to forgive that person. God can't give you a future if your hearts are full of what was done to you in the past. Jesus did not get beat, hung on the cross, die, defeat death, just so we can sit around letting Susie Who and John Doe hold us back from reaching our destiny because we can't forgive somebody. I mean, Jesus is up there saying, man, you, I mean, impurity didn't get you. Greed didn't get you. Murder didn't get you. But you couldn't forgive? That's what's holding you back? I mean, this is huge, church. This is huge. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Ephesians 4. Verse 31, it says, get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. And you ask, how? How do I do all those things? Forgiving each other, just as in Christ, God forgave you. Church, we need to resolve in our hearts to forgive if we expect to be forgiven by God. All right, transitioning. The second point is the weight of worry. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 12. Proverbs chapter 12, we're going to be in verse 25 here. It 
This verse is very self-explanatory. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, it says, Anxiety weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. And you can also read this, Worry weighs down the heart, but a kind word cheers it up. You know, in, in the summer of 2010, I, I, during uh, my time in the campus ministry at Cal State Long Beach, I used to go back and forth from Long Beach to Pasadena. And, during the, and that was during the summertime. And during the summer of 2010, I was outdoors in Altadena playing basketball with my brother. Okay, I mean, it was a beautiful day outside. You know, the sun was out. The sky was blue. The birds was flying around. I was there with my buddy, my brother, and a lot of my high school friends came out to play with us. So it was a little reunion going on. Okay, and I was feeling good. I felt like in 2010, I was in the best shape of my life. Okay, and, and my game showed it. Okay, when I was out there playing basketball, I mean, I was hitting three-pointers. I mean, all my jump shots was looking good. I was splashing the net. You know, my pat behind the back passes, no look passes. Man, I mean, I even had a dunk in the game. You know, so you know I was fired up for that. And I remember when I was coming down, you know, the court on one play, I did a spin move. Okay, and when you do a spin move, you can't see what's going on behind you. And I just remember that the back of my head crashed into the pole. That was supporting, I was going full speed, I was supporting the basketball goal in the air. And I remember as soon as I, I hit the pole, fell on the ground, I tried to stand back up, and I fell back down. My brother was there. He ran up to me. Amir, are you all right? I said, who are you? And I, I didn't know who my brother was. I didn't know where I was at. You know, blood was, you know, coming from my ear. It was actually a serious thing. And uh, my father rushed me to the hospital, and we thought it was internal bleeding, and that was happening there. And I remember as soon as I got to the hospital, I just started breaking down and crying. You know, I, I lost it. I mean, I was a wreck. My condition was just terrible, and I started, again, just crying. And the whole time, you know, my father was like, don't worry, son. Don't worry. God is in control. Don't worry. God is in control. But I wasn't trying to hear that. I was like, yeah, you better tell me what's going to be, what am I look like tomorrow? I mean, am I going to be, am I breathing tomorrow? What's the diagnosis? Do you know something I don't know? You know, I didn't want to hear that because I was so concerned about what was uncertain in my life. You know, I didn't want to hear that. I was so worried. And that's my story, but we all have our worries. Okay, we're, we're good at worrying. We train ourselves to worry. We train our hearts to worry. I mean, we worry about life, health, safety, crime, disease, bills, jobs, food, family, friends, home, school, social media, athletics, grades, poverty. I'm still going. Racism, war, future, the, the past and present. You know, we even worry about if we have the right angle when we're taking a selfie. You know, we, we worry about so much things, and we worry because we like to be in control. We like to be in control. We like to be in command. That's what we find our security in. Worrying is like a security blanket for us. All right, but the thing about worrying is it's just an illusion. It's just an illusion. Worrying is our way of escaping what is uncertain, but there will always be uncertainty. Always. I mean, you can have everything planned out. You know, your budget can be set, your job can be set, career set, retirement set, 401 set, and you can lose it all in one day. I mean, there are stories about that, church. You know, you can have it all laid out, yet lose it all in one moment. There will always be uncertainty. And the Bible tells us how we can face the uncertainty of tomorrow without worrying about it today. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. You guys still here? I know it's 6 o'clock, so that means it's dinner time for some of us. 
You know, so we just hearing the growling of our stomachs. So you're not hearing a mirror no more. So but I'm closing out here. We coming to the end. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 26. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus is helping us out here how to face uncertainty in our life. He says, in verse 26, he says, Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your, fa- your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? And this is Jesus here, and he's helping us out. He says, hey, just look at the birds. You worry, just look at the birds. The pigeons, the doves, the owls, the vultures. He says, just eat like, what? Look at the birds. Jesus, what? Did you hear what I was trying to tell? What? You know, this is actually very profound what Jesus is saying here. Right? Jesus, is, he's being deep here, right? If we think about it, I mean, birds, birds don't even try. I mean, birds, they, they got their shelter, right? They, they, they got their life together. They have their food. They're raising their kids. No budget, no calendar, no, no worries, right? Birds don't worry. I mean, who here has ever gotten pooped on by a bird before? Raise your hand, right? Raise your hand. If you're not raising your hand, you probably didn't, just didn't notice it, all right? And you want to know why you got pooped on by a bird? Because the bird don't care. The bird doesn't care. That's why it's doing whatever it wants. And the thing about birds is they don't try, but they're living. They're living. And birds just simply trust. That's all the bird does is it trusts, and that's our problem. You know, the problem is, is, is we don't trust. You know, and, that, and that's the thing about worry. It's a fear thing. We, we, we think that we're going to miss out. We think that we're not going to have enough. And God's like, look, I got you. I got you. You know, Jesus didn't die for the birds. I mean, if you think about it, Jesus said he died for us. I mean, I'm sure Jesus liked the birds. I mean, he created them. But he, Jesus didn't die for the birds. And, and, and at least I don't think God created the birds in his image. He says he created us in his image. You know, so if, if God can take care of a bird, he can take care of us, church. He can keep us afloat and alive. Worrying takes so much out of our heart. It exhausts our hearts. It depresses our hearts, stresses it, and it can even cause you to be physically ill. And the thing about worry is everything that worrying does to your heart, it never changes uncertainty. Tomorrow will always be unpromised. Tomorrow is not promised. Okay, if worrying is a faith issue. Okay, and, and the thing we got to think about is if you're worried, you got to think, look, is, is a bird's faith really that big? Or is, is my faith really that small compared to a bird? We got to think about this, church. In Matthew 6, he continues here in verse 31. He says, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? Or what school we're going to get into? Or am I going to be able to pay the bills next month? Am I going to be able to feed my kids? And he's not saying that these things don't matter. He's not saying don't, you know, he's not telling us to be irresponsible. Okay, then Amir, I'm just going to be like a bird. Then I ain't going to pay my bills. You know, when bills, I ain't going to pay my rent. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, look, we got to be content with doing our best. We got to be content with doing our best and trust that God is going to take care of the rest. And we got to believe that. You know, God is saying here, he's look, once you've done all that you can do, just stop. Stop and trust me with everything else. You know, our hearts 
will continue to be weighed down if we continue to worry. You know, in conclusion here, you know, a healthy heart is crucial to your well-being. You know, a healthy heart is a heart that forgives and trusts. God did not design our hearts to carry the weight of unforgiveness and worry. You know, so I have some questions here that I want you guys to leave with um, in light of this lesson. First question is, what do you need to forgive in? What do you need to forgive in or who do you need to forgive? Make the decision today to forgive you know who. Yeah, you know who that is. Okay, forgive you know who. And don't wait for an apology. Take care and protect your heart. Forgive that person today. Question number two, what are you not trusting God with? What are you not trusting God with? Have a conversation today after church. Get open about these things and invite someone to support you on your path to trust. Let's close out in Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1, it says, It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then, and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You know, whoever the Son has set free is free indeed. You know, we need to believe that. We need to believe that. And if you have responded to Jesus' sacrifice to you on the cross, you're free. You're free. And let's make the decision today to not let unforgiveness and worry weigh our free hearts down. Thank you and amen.